Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Our guest, David Williams, has been an editor for over 30 years. He's worked for ABC, CBS, NBC, E, Warner Brothers, The CW, Fox, MTV, Viacom, CBS in New York City, and L.A. And Carol, I understand David also works for From the Heart, right? Yes, he does. He's helped me. And I want to say David has won an Emmy for David Copperfield. I mean, that's quite an achievement as well as you've won other Emmys. So we're going to get into all that. Thank you, David, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Carol and Claire. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to have a good time, and we want to know a lot more about the art of editing because I am always asked by filmmakers, where do I get a good editor? Uh, And that's number one, but I think it's more how do I get a good editor, really? So we want to cover some of your brilliant career and learn where to find an editor what to say when you interview an editor, what you should expect to pay, and how to save money while you're filmmaking so that you don't have to spend a lot of money on the editing. So let's start with you and uh, your history, and I'd like to know about what age did you know that you wanted to be in the film industry? Well, when I was about 12 years old, I told my mother, I said, I'm moving to Hollywood. And she looked at me like I had five heads. And um, I don't know what it was, but that's something that me just knew that's what I wanted to do. And uh, from there, we had a local access cable station in my hometown. And I started working there. And I started working there just doing a playback of commercials into the to the system and then they had this strange looking machine it was this, they were called three quarter machines back then and, and they were called top loaders which is even more rare and they were just sitting off in the corner and I said well you know what I bet you if I take all my commercials and edit them together in one long string out um, I can uh, I won't have to work, work as hard so during the breaks I would go into the room next door and I would start editing and I would start editing all the commercials back to back to back and in the order that the playlist demanded them. And then that started becoming my normal routine. And the next thing, well, you know how to work this machine? I'm like, well, yeah, I taught myself. <laughs> and how then, wonderful. Yeah. And then they started giving me uh, commercials to edit, um, not, not just playback. So that was, that was how I got started. And you, so you started auto, uh, editing commercials. Now, at this point, you must have gotten a book or got someone to give you guidance or talk to a guru. What happened? You know, I, I don't know. I just, you know, of course, it was for a local access cable station. So it wasn't, you know, anything uh, fantastically shot or fantastically, you know, maybe it might have been two or three angles and a voiceover. And back then in those days, it may be, they may have even taken the, the, because it was a local market, they may have even taken the radio copy or sometimes the radio spot, and we would just shoot uh, visuals to go along with it and then add that to the actual you know, radio spot um, because it was for a local station. But yes, as I well, moved... But that's a good training ground, uh, those cable stations were. Absolutely. Because, number one, you had to... It was live, and so you had to... You couldn't make a mistake. And I had to do my, uh, which I later came to find find out is what the networks, that's how they actually, you know, there's a lot of prep that goes into playing out the commercials we see on television. They just don't pop up magically. They they have a whole department that's, that's, uh, you know, lays out the commercials and promos and all the bumpers and tags that we see, you know, they've they've spent a whole day, a whole shift has been spent on making sure that everything's in there. So I was actually, right. 
just kind of figured that on my on my own and and did that versus doing it uh, on the spot. Oh, that's great. Well, you so you moved to California, and uh, what did you do? You go to post houses to 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 look for a job. Well, when I, when I was still uh, at my hometown, I I had gone to work for a a little bit bigger post house, and I got very lucky one day. I had a gentleman from New York come down, and um, he only knew how to edit film, and he needed someone to be his hand to help him cut a spot for uh, the Olympics, for this for the regional Olympics. Um, and uh, I was his person, and we used a three-quarter three-quarter machine, one of the basic cuts only three-quarter machines. But this gentleman taught <clears throat> me so much in a week that I could not have ever ever in a million years learned. He taught every frame. He he spoke about every how where is the cut, what it, what makes a good cut. He he taught me all this. His, one of his commercials that he had edited was a commercial back called Mamma Mia, that's a great, that's a spicy meatball. And that was, <laughs> that was, his, that was one of his famous commercials, and he was just a super nice guy. And uh, he gave me a lot of tips. And from there, I, that just, that, that, those tips really helped me in my crafting of a story and also in crafting of a, what makes a good shot and what makes a good cut point. And when do you cut, and when do you hold for a beat, and and all those things? He, he I got his crash course in, in that in a, in a week, and then I did come. To, eventually, uh, I came to Los Angeles. I uh, literally visited every post house, and within three days, I had a job at a post house, and um, the, the rest was just history. I just put my my all all of it into it. And uh, just really just got very lucky with some really great clients that really appreciated uh, my work and my work ethic. And uh, I would be requested to... So you uh, worked on music videos and uh, then uh, into the long-form feature projects, right? That, that's correct. I started out working on uh, what's called... Uh, back then, we had things called offline and online, and I, I had come from uh, offline online world. And when I got to California, I was mainly doing the online, so the finishing portion. And um, lots of times, the clients I work with would have to do changes during uh, the, you know, because the, they had gotten notes from their clients. They didn't have time to go back and rebook an offline bay. They needed to do the changes in the bay. And so I, I could do it. I was able to, to do their changes. And they liked that so much, then they would start requesting me to do their, at that point, they were called offlines. So I would do their offline, which was the, was the, was the creative, and then I'd move forward and I'd, I'd do their finishing. So they knew that when, that when they worked with me that they would be able to have a, uh, back then we used things called lists, which were computer-generated EDLs, and uh, we were able to not have any slowdown between offline and online. We'd be able to finish uh, relatively fast versus having to go through two people and 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 decoding all the you know what what what, what did you call this tape? What what was that? Who was that? And things like that. So it just really, for me. Uh, it was just it just came naturally to, to do both and and work with a lot of great clients so um then when you started doing the long form did you fall in love with the features and docs <clears throat> well we did at sony <clears throat> music i worked there uh, on a, uh, on some great projects and they had um one of the things they did with PBS and out of uh, WNET out of New York, they would get budgets for long-form music projects, and so that oh. was a documentary and a music video. So for me, that was that was just great because I got to storytell uh, 
the artist's life for this for for, for storytell. For example, I did Luther Vandross at the Royal Albert Hall, and we got to you know talk about all the you know the great things that he was doing in his life, um, and then show the concert at the same time and, and, and mix and mingle uh, between rehearsal footage and going to the you know to, into the show. So it was just absolutely uh, uh, stunning working with him. I worked with John Barry, the composer. Um, uh, and that was amazing. Just learning and, and watching how he composes music, and just understanding how he does things, and that just amazing. Oh, great! So that must have been a lot of fun. Uh, so, were you taking any training or classes as you moved along, or, or was on-the-job training all you really needed? For for me, it was on the job training. Uh, there really back then there there were no classes. Uh, there wasn't such a thing as uh, Moviola or the uh, I think it's called Lynda.com. Those weren't available back then. Um, the, the way that it seemed to, that you learned it is you just jumped in and did it. And if you did it, you you were working. And if you didn't, you just <laughs> worked a little bit harder and you and you could. Um, it was. Uh, it you know it was it, it it it's it's a business of of connections and it's a business of of making uh you know great uh you know if if you're going to be in a room with somebody for a very long time you you're going to want a, a person that you're friendly with and is friendly with you and um that was always the great thing was i was able to uh empathically uh Get into that person's space, and the director and then and the producing team, and we just you know set up a, a very good relationship, and I would uh, it just always worked out. One of the things I always did when when they would come into the room, I'd always have a piece of paper, and the first thing I'd do is they wouldn't see me do that. I'd write their names down, and then I would start to figure out who's the alpha, who's who's the who's the beta. <laughs> And I'd put little yes. stars by their names, and I'd start, uh, and and I just I just intuitively knew how to, you know knew how to do that, and and that and that way I, I would address them and and figure out who not to talk to and who and who to talk to, who to who to ask questions and who to just, and who to just listen and just do what they said. Right, what fun! And it is a lot of fun when you are part of a team like that using all those creative concepts. Because it seems just to just be magnify when you've got a group of creative people in one area, right? Absolutely, and I really enjoy the process when you can have a team of people, uh, a close knit team of people that you're, you know, you're creating something. You're, you're creating a vision. Um, you're bringing some on paper. You're bringing it to life. Um, I, I really enjoy working and being a collaborative part of a team. Um, I really like it if I'm working with a director. And we do work, uh, uh, maybe we work together for half a day, and then maybe they'll let me go off and I'll do, you know, my my thing to it. And then we'll come back and we'll, you know, meet up in the, at the end of the day and we'll, and we'll uh, you know, Oh, that's great! I, did, I didn't even think of it that you know think of that that way. Wow! Um, so, so, so some of your edits might actually make it into the cut um, because they didn't think of it that way. Especially in the early days of music videos, um, music videos uh, and they used to have great scripts and great storyboards, but when they got to shoot them, they really never executed the storyboard completely a, a lot of them did but a lot of them didn't so they would come to people like me and say we got this footage we got this song what can you do and you'd, you'd make something out of nothing and usually they would come back and they would say we never yeah this, this is great we never thought about this oh good yes that's what you want to hear when you astound them with what you've done so you you must also be a trailer editor as because you started with with uh, 
advertising trailer. So you know how to edit a trailer as well as a full-length project, right? Absolutely. Um, I started out uh, in the commercial world working with commercials, and then you would occasionally get a feature uh, come through. And doing ABC, I would um, work on their upfronts every year. I would be called up to work on some of their upfronts. Um, and one of the main reasons uh, that my music video skills translated into uh, the trailers and promos, and mainly trailers, is because lots of times they will have a pilot for a show and the network will say, you know, we we don't really like that part part of it. We want it. We want it to be this. We we want this medical show to skew as a love story, and so you'd have to take all the footage and look for every single solitary eye move, uh, a misplaced glance, and turn that into a love story. And we did it. Um, we did that for a show on ABC that was supposed, supposed to be a nighttime medical show drama. It turned out to turned it into a nighttime love story. And wow. And, yeah. And we did that through finding and, and and going through every piece of footage and finding things that weren't really meant to be what they were shot for, twisting it around and turning it into what turned out to be a, you know, a, a hit show for over 7 years on ABC. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, this is what I find is uh lacking in some uh, editors. They are excellent at long form, but they do not understand how to take 60 minutes and cut it into a two-minute or under uh, trailer. And for uh, documentaries, we like a three- or four-minute trailer that tells you the story, leaves you wanting more. But for a feature, you know, it's 60 or 90 seconds. And... um, so the fact that you started from that understanding the brevity and how to tell a story in a short amount of time would make you very uh, valuable to filmmakers that you could do both because that's the key to selling your doc or your feature, your low-budget feature. That's what mainly goes through my grant. And I have to say that, David, when I'm looking at people's uh, work, Nowadays, they really have to do a small trailer, even for a feature. We want to see something to show us that you know how to run a camera, because many times it's first uh, first feature people who apply for the grant. And um, we make a lot of decisions based on that trailer. So, I mean, that can win you grants, lose you donors, lose you investors, etc. So it becomes a critical part of the funding process don't you see that absolutely i mean that and just and just take that forward to you're you're now trying to get your show picked up or you're trying to get your feature seen they're going to watch your uh your trailer every step of the way and every step of the way that uh for funding and, and all the way forward so your trailer is absolutely a must, and it has to be done uh, in, in, the, in the most. You know, you, you cannot you cannot be cheap on uh, the quality and and the way that it's shot and the way. You know, I mean, the way, the way you shoot, you, you, everything needs to be shown in that trailer. How it, how your feature is going to look and feel, because it yes. is a look and feel. It's a look and feel piece for for your story and uh it's 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 really imperative that that's done correctly and that's done and and shot correctly and and it's kept the chain of custody of your look all the way through and uh, i can't i cannot i cannot be I emphasize more how important and important it is to make sure that that trailer represents, you know, what's on paper to the person that's going to either look at it for funding it or look at it for picking it up. 
It just yeah. absolutely it has, has to, to be. show talent, David, talent and story. We like we want a lot in in a short piece uh, piece of film. We want to know you you understand how to tell a story that you technically are spot on with your cuts, your music, your visuals. Everything has to be perfect. In documentaries, sometimes you can forgive things more because you know that you may be in a prison camp and you have a hidden camera. So if it's out of focus or whatever, we understand all that, but not in features and not in high-budget uh, docs. We want it perfect. So this is where the editor comes in. The editor is the most important thing. There's one of our filmmakers that I know who's been working on her film maybe 10 years now, and she's at the place of hiring an editor. And it is really a problem to find the right editor. And I, first of all, I want to say to the audience that you really want to make sure that you have enough money to edit the entire film. I do not want to see you hire an editor who puts hours into watching your footage and starts editing, and then you say, well, I have to let you go. I've got to go raise some more money, because that editor may be occupied on a six-month job when you come back. So, and, and you don't want to have to pay another person to do the same thing over. So please think about that and get the money first and then get the editor. Right, David? Absolutely. And also, I see a lot of people that uh, they started their project uh, cheaply on, in the wrong editing system, with the wrong camera, with the wrong everything, and then they have to, because of their bad decisions, they have to stay in that in that world because of the they they created something with an editor that they weren't going to keep, um, or, or 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 the editor had to had to move forward, but they made the wrong decisions by using the wrong software or the wrong camera, or they shot the wrong format. Uh, there's there's so many things that as a producer director these days you have to know your cameras, your format, your audience, who you're taking, you know, who who's the end user and what's the most universal format you could shoot in that you can quickly uh, translate it uh, to any other format versus locking yourself into something that you'll have to degradate the quality to go backwards or forwards or you choose the wrong editing software that you really find that, you know, oh, my goodness, I, got, I want to go to do audio sweetening or I want to do color correction, and I really made the bad mistake by picking the wrong program, and now I've got to, you know, pay somebody to untangle my uh, shoe knot, and it's going to be a very expensive untanglement when you could have saved, you could, you could, if you had done it, if you had correct choices from the start, you wouldn't even be in that situation. Well, th does that mean sometimes people bring the editor into meetings when they are starting their film or when they're uh, just going into production so they, some of those things get answered by the editor? Absolutely. Uh, that's, uh, that's the way it used to be. Um, you know, a lot of the times in the, in the past, the studios would look to hire directors from the editorial pool. Because they knew they the, the studio heads knew that the editors knew, uh, you know, the, the way out of the hole quickly, and and that's where a lot of those people came from. Uh, I remember a lot of the shoots, uh, the directors I would work with, they would they they would invite me along, and, and most of the time pay me to come to the storyboard meetings, to come to the to come to the meetings, to, especially if it was a visual effects job is to make sure we set everything up so that we had no surprises and that it acts absolutely would just flow and work great and uh, so the editor really is your hidden uh, you know card in the deck for getting for making sure your story is told and, and for all the ancillary things on the on the back end that you're not thinking about now um, because that's going to come up and it, it eventually you know, it's gonna, it's gonna you're gonna you're gonna have to pay the price one way or the other. So I'd rather <laughs> pay the price 
I'd rather pay the price to, to the end product of the quality versus pay the price to have it to get, you know, thing un, untangled just to be seen so you can have this decision made. And I see that so many times, more, more right. often than not. Oh, that's a shame. Well, let me let me. You mentioned storyboards a couple of times. Now I know Alfred Hitchcock was he lived by his storyboards. Absolutely. He worked on them for months before he started shooting, and he only shot the storyboards. And yep. we know the kind of work he delivered. So, do you think storyboards are a major benefit to filmmakers and editors? Absolutely. Um, and Hitchcock is always somebody that you can go back to and. You know, he would only shoot, like like you said, he'd only shoot what he wanted. And then when they went back to try to change his work, they couldn't because there was, it never was shot. Um, he shot only what he needed. And um, and going forward in that, if as, as you're shooting, if you have a very long day, uh, you only you want to make sure you shoot exactly what you need. You don't need to be shooting things you may or may not that you probably aren't going to use. If you've got it down and you know it works on paper and it works in the, on, on the storyboard, it, it should work as 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 a shot. Um, so work working in that more cheaper platform of the storyboarding and paper and, and paper cuts and and all, and we used to sometimes call them rips uh, or makes it so much easier when you get ready to to, to to do your breakdown and then and then shoot. Right. Okay, so storyboards are very important. And uh, uh, even if it's stick figures, so you put stick figures down on a piece of paper and you put the copy underneath it and it starts to come alive, and there are tons of programs out there now that will help you storyboard, right? Absolutely, and, and, and visual effects as well. For people that are heavy into visual effects, there's visual effects tracking programs that um, you can track all your visual effects. You, you'll know, you know, if there's multiple layers or multiple passes, you'll know, you know, and you can have people logging on. And, well, we've done this portion of it, and, we've, and we still need to do this, and so you'll know all throughout the process of, of your visual effects as to what process it is. Because sometimes those can take quite a while, and they may they they may do a look that just is for the trailer, um, and then for the feature it may, it may be you know a, a more complicated build. Um, sometimes when it, when the tra- when the when the feature gets hot or and and, and they know that the effect shot is going to be a, a deal breaker, they'll go ahead and have the uh, People start working on some of those shots early, just to put them in the trailer, so they so they can make sure that that excitement is passed down through the the the, 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 the trailer and the feature. Oh, brilliant! Some, okay. Yeah, you know, some, sometimes you only get you know second or third pass of effect shots versus the fifth or sixth. Um, <laughs> right. They do go through a lot of ver- versions um, to really make it look you know seamless. Well, let's get in now to to some ideas about how to hire uh, an editor. So give the, give me some of your ideas on this. In other words, um, where do people find editors? How do you find someone? Word of mouth, or you, or how? Well, that's a, that's that's right now. It's um, it's it, it it really is word of mouth. Um, if you if we really look at the at the people that are getting hired, it's usually through word of mouth. There are sites on, on Facebook, of course, and on there's plenty of job sites. It just seems like that the ones that do get hired are recommended because this this we're, we're talking about you know either very big budgets and the, the person that's just bringing bringing you on as an editor. They they want to make sure they're doing their due diligence. So if they have a friend that's used you before, they're going to say, "Hey, I used this person on my last project. We had a great time." And um, it, it's it's almost like your credits. Uh, you know, a lot of people will, well, who edited that fe- feature or who edited that piece. Oh, that was that person. And then they'll 
bring them bring them forward. Um, but interviewing for, for me, uh, when I look at when I look at someone, I really want to know their understanding of their role on the team because it is a team effort always. Um, and, I w- and I want to know that they're realizing that, that it's not a, um, you know, you go off and do your thing. And I say that with a caveat because some people do do that. Some people do go off and do their own thing, and that's their style, and then you come back and then they work with the director and that's it. But when you're working in this big of a, of a thing, I, I just – I. And, and coming from from me, from coming from a live television or high high value day, day you know, a, a million dollar day. If I make a mistake, I could risk, you know, the, the million dollar day being a no dollar day. So you have to know that your what you're contributing is, uh, you know, you're on the line. You know, you're literally on. Uh, w- when I when I when I'm when I'm on the air live doing things, if I'm if I mess up, uh, you know we messed up, so you have to carry that with you all the time uh, as you're you're prepared that what you know that everything you do is affecting the bottom line, and if you keep that attitude with you, it will. The producers and the director will will appreciate you, and, and and they'll realize that you get it, and that you realize that, you know, it is about you know the the bottom line of of the feature, and and the project. It's all about the bottom line, yes, because I'm over here on the other side, David, and I see how hard that people work, and the paperwork, and all the budgets, and all the pitching and the practice and every and the business plan and all this getting those getting ready to even go make an ask is months of hard work and then making an ask and getting the money is more hard work so the, raising the funds is a serious it's a business and once they've got that money they have to make that money pay off making uh, the film as valuable as possible. And a good producer, you want them to give you 10 times the value. If you put in $100,000, you, $100, you want it to look like a million-dollar film. That's the, uh, the zeitgeist in today's world, and you have to be able to work like that. Know you're under a lot of pressure. So let me ask you now, so when... From your perspective, let's say that you were hiring an editor. Well, what are some of the important traits that you'd look for in a person? Um, uh, their t- timeliness. I want I want to know that they can show up on time. I want them to know that uh, sometimes we do go late, and I want to know how they feel about going late. Um, and we sometimes we go late because we have to, because it has to absolutely get done. It has to be done, uh, and that's just the, the facts of this, you know, this world we live in. That there has to be a fast turnaround, or there has to be a client that has to be able to see it. So attitude is very important um, uh, about start times and end times, and uh, and I think it's. I, I, what, what what's always happened to me is I know if, if I give in those areas, I know that the good producers and good directors will give back. So they'll they'll be more of um, when it's time for a break. There's 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 a longer break. You help you help me meet meet my deadline. Well, you know, and so they pass they they pass the, the love around, and um, and that's a team, and that's why you want to build that team. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm also looking for people that, uh, and, and I hate the the live experience really is a key because you it's ingrained in you to about the deadlines. It's ingrained in you about the about you know there's no mistakes, and I'm I'm also looking for people that 
um, that uh, of course I'll look at their reel and I want I want to look at the cuts and I want I want to see um, what they do uh, you know their their st- what style they enjoy cutting and 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 that but also I want to know technically um, what can't, can't if, if if they are not a, uh, if they're just a, just an editor with with no technical experience, I want them to be able to explain, at least to be able to explain technically, in 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 some simplistic technical terms, what's wrong, um, so that the person who has to come and help them do troubleshoot can get to that, you know, hasn't got to sit down and figure it all out. So I I always. Uh, uh, you know, it's just a, it's well-rounded to have somebody that's technical and is creative. Um, it just it yes. just really helps at, for the bottom line because you can cut through a lot of clutter, and uh, and people that are technical usually also know, know the li- the higher limitations of their editing platform, and they'll be able to push it a little bit harder, so that when you get ready for your deliverables. They've kind of prepped out some things that some editors may not know that the machine could actually have even done, and uh, and they can speak that language uh, to the to the colorist. They can speak that language to the mixer, and um, and hand off the elements in a way that are needed uh, that don't have to go through some conversion process just to get to the sound person. Or just to get to the colorist, you don't have to spend, you know, three or four days putting the footage back in another format because you made a mistake. Good. All right. Well, when you look for schooling uh, with prior, when you're hiring an editor, um, tell me how uh, you're looking for schooling, you're looking for years on the job, and uh, technical knowledge. So, uh, w- what should you find in their bio then? Um, I, I would look at the the jobs they've cut, and I want I want to look at how they present how they present themselves on their uh, bio and how they present themselves on their uh, if they have a, if they have a website how how that's presented. And um, usually, I can look fairly quickly at, the, at, at, at a person's work, and if you know, because it's so simple to add a few extra uh, uh, layers of r- very simplistic um, effects that can take something that was shot on a very cheap camera and make it look like it was shot. On, a, on a, a very expensive camera. Back in the old days of music videos, we used to do this thing called the high con pass, and what that would do is it would give the give the uh, the video uh, this gleam almost, and you could dial it in to oh you know to almost too much, so where you you couldn't see it, but it was something that was so easy to do. That you know made your thing that was shot on 16 millimeter look like it was shot on 35, just by doing some little you know trickery in there. So I, I, I want to see did they apply some filters on their end product that made it look you know not just like it was out of a video camera. Oh, good. Yes, I would never thought of that. Of course, because you know they're available, and a lot of filmmakers uh, who are a writer, producer, director don't know that technical side. So, finding an editor that knows that is is important. Well, let me ask you this: How do you how do you know when you're sitting talking to someone? How do you ascertain? the fact that you can get along with this person to sit there day after day for six months or whatever it takes to do the edit, that's got to be a major factor, right? I think, I think you know, from every job I've been, I've been hired on, I feel like there's been a, 
almost empathic or intuitive connection. The person on the other end just knew it, and that that, and that gets into a whole other realm of of possibilities. But I just think you you have a feeling, and you know it. This this person this person is going to is going to uh, meld with your style with 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 the with the um, with the project. It just kind of you kind of just you kind of just sense it and pick it up. It's just, it's 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 an attitude. It's an attitude that the person carries from the from the first conversation until until you uh, you know meet them and um, and that's the one thing that really kind of right to, to today in today's society we don't nobody picks up the phone and calls people anymore. And, and talks to them. I, I could find that a whole lot more by just talking to the person on the phone than going through emails, and, or or you know ticking a box on a website available, not available, or getting a text. Are you available? Yes. Hit hit one for yes. Hit two for no. <laughs> um, absolutely. It's the art of talking that's been lost. Absolutely, and you can find out so you 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 can kill. All you can go through so many questions in five minutes on an interview just by talking to the person and knowing, oh yeah, or you might have a mutual friend that you both didn't even know, or there might be a mutual um, director or film that you that you both like, and uh, so there's so many things that are being left out by not um, doing a phone interview or doing a proper, you know, meet and greet. Sit down. And, and another thing that I would say is for, for a director and producer, I really feel that um, a lot of them some, don't understand the technology, don't understand the difference between the, the editing platforms, and um, and that there's the professional editing platforms, and then there's the not so professional editing platforms. And you want to be on the professional editing platform, and it doesn't cost. And the the the, the amazing thing is. There's hardly there is no difference now in the price between the two between the two when it comes down to it. So why wouldn't you go ahead and 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 use the the platform that most features and documentaries and commercials and everybody in the professional world uses versus something that YouTube people use because just because it was cheap. Um, exactly, exactly. You need to know too much. You don't know. I mean, for a, I can imagine for a producer, they have to know all of these things to help make the right decisions for the whole group. But um, it's amazing what you do need to know. T- tell me something, David. How can people reach you? Uh, they can reach me at my email address is dw at and, that's and, A-N-D, CR the number eight T I V E so D W at and creative dot com and that's C R eight T I V E so D W at A N D C R eight T I V E dot com got it okay now. Um, one, let's go back to the interview here because this is so important. How many years' experience would you look for when you're hiring someone to edit your feature or your doc? Um, I would look. Well, you know, I would look at their. I want to see their reel, and I want to, at least at least five years. I would say at least five years because a person. Uh, is going to change over that five-year period, and you're going to, you know, you're going to want to see how they progress. What was the first thing they did, and then where, where, where are we at five, five years from now? Um, you're going to want to see that, and you're going to want to, uh, you're, you're just going to, like, like I said, the choices that they make to put on their uh, reel. Um, uh, is, is going is going to tell a lot. Um, it's just so important that you have that good relationship with your editor, and that you, uh, you know, that that you 
you know that that, that you know that person um, is is in it. You know, a lot of times I'll see that the you know they'll say low budget or they'll say um, you know uh, we'll we'll pay for you know you'll get your money at the end deferred payment and then what then what happens is that you lose the editor over the project the editor the thing goes through so many different editors and then the look is, is of the of the thing never is kept cohesive so it's just. Uh, for the for the producer and director team, it's, it's a lot of prep going into it, and and getting the right person is is so valuable. And 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 that process, Carol, is just uh, it's. I, I think sometimes it's almost uh, if it's meant to be, that person will come along. And I, and that kind of sounds like a magical answer, but sometimes I think that you know we're in a magical business, and I think that's kind of what happens. <laughs> yes, yes, his business is definitely ruled by Neptune, and uh, there's a lot of synchronicity that goes on in the filmmaking world. You're so right. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, see if you have any tips for filmmakers on how to save money in editing. I mean, are there one or two things that they do that you find are the biggest mistakes people make that that could benefit them in knowing ahead of time? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing I would do, if uh, if you haven't already, I would go to NAB in Las Vegas every year. That happens in April. And go and uh, actually sit down with the companies that, manu- that manufacture the editing software and, and, ma- and manufacture the cameras and manufacture you know all the components that you're going to be using lots of times what will happen at NAB the, the all the good people will kind of get together and they'll have you know their camera hooked up to the the work, you'll see the workflow already in front of your eyes because that's what that's what a lot of people are using and so they're showing that off so you don't really have to reinvent the wheelhouse because they're putting it, you know. They're they're showing you the the menu right there, on the on the on the showroom floor, and then you get like I said, you get to speak to them, and you can and you can also look at the you can look at the crowd at who's at the cheapy booth and who's at the professional booth, and you can see for yourself that that, that gives you the answer right right then and there, um, as to where, I, where where you know, because in my in my opinion too, how you put you're building something you you don't want to you don't want to start off with building it on uh, sand you want to start off building it on a good foundation and I think that's also mental uh, so you want to make sure you 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 carry that forward I so you say I can I can afford to pay a, a good rate I can afford to get a good edit system. I can afford to shoot on a good camera. I can afford to get the good crew. I can afford to make, you know, all the I can statements and I will statements versus, oh, I can't do that because the price is too much. No, go ahead and, and, and uh, you know, put, that, put, the, put the carrot in front of the horse that you can and you will. And it, it works. You do. Create your future, right? You're back to that. Creating your future with the belief that you will get the funding. That's the way to go. Absolutely. Well, for people, uh, how long would you think it normally takes to edit uh, a feature documentary? A feature documentary, uh, it it all depends on the subject matter, but it can be up to three to six months. just depending because sometimes there's there's legal involved sometimes there's things of course things change um uh lots of times um you know things do change um and uh, and you just want to give it that time to make sure that uh you know you really hit home on your on your on your point that you're trying to get across in your documentary and um, there may there may be need, there may need to be tweaks done 
to make sure you didn't miss, you know, the big the big picture, or as you were editing or as you were shooting, that that some ma- major uh, thing didn't happen while you were shooting, and you can add it in, and you know, it's really going to send your uh, send it home. So it's it's just being in tune with with your project and being in tune with what's going on around you. There's there's plenty of times that I've been doing that, and you know, we'll. We have to now open up the show and put and put this in because you know this 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 changed, and you know that's happen that happens almost every time I work on a big project like that. We'll have some, something you know in today's you know as you mentioned zeitgeist. We'll change the uh, you know in, in the middle. Change. And documentaries seem to go hand in hand, so you're absolutely right. And the legal, you know, I've seen them get all the way down to the wire and then say, oh, but we can't use that. You have to take that sound out or you have to take out this picture. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, you have to be prepared for all that. So three to six months is about right. What should a budget, I know this is a hard thing to come up with, but what would you budget if you were doing a decent documentary uh, and you wanted uh, a number for an editor for the a doc. Let's say out of the three to six months that you figured it would be, you're going to figure five months for editing. So you're going on the high side. Uh, yeah. Um, well, that's, you know, that that's a tough, I, I, I would, I would pay the market rate. Whatever the market rate is for an editor, I'd pay it. Um, I see a lot of people put up ads. Uh, they have a, um, they'll, they'll call it a uh, love project, heart project, or uh, you know, free. You know, they, they want your, they want your editing for free. Well, you, you're, you're going to get that. You're going to get, a, you know, a free edit. So you got a budget for it, and you got a budget. The whatever the market's demanding, because you will get at the end of the day, you will get what you, you'll get the better cuts. You'll get what you pay for, and um, you know you you won't get somebody you know because if you if let's say I, I'm I want to do a documentary about cars, and I, I'll say I'm doing a documentary about cars. Must have an auto enthusiast. There's no pay, but you can, you know, you'll, you'll get the <laughs> footage of all the cars you want to see. Well, that's, you know, so there may be somebody that will do that, but you know, you know, and they may, and they, they'll, they'll bring their knowledge of cars uh, to the to the picture. But will they bring any editing skills? That's the question. Exactly. Right. That's, that's so exactly you should right. pay the market rate. Just put the market rate into your budget, and as you said before, you have to believe you can do it. You really have to know that the editor is going to be one of the most critical people because this person, this person has to correct mistakes made in the beginning and and get your vision made. I mean, I've seen some docs that were out. Standing, and and I have to and I go first to the editor. It's always the editing. Uh, I know that uh, as a team they all work together, and I recognize that. But the the editor brought it home with such amazing images in the right place. At some docs, you you can't have a break. You cannot even take a breath. They just keep going, and that's. Really, the editor is that? Right? That's what I think. That's absolutely. And in the old days, they would call it, it was called spotting. They used to put in uh, music uh, cues for the composer or for the person um, down the trail who was going to score the piece. But but the spotting or the you know putting in temp track audio. Knowing what to, what 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 to choose, what the the, the emotional uh, train you're on from just the scene prior, and how that's going to tie into all that, is just it's it's so critical. It's so critical. It's it's um, it's it's just knowing all those bits and pieces, 
and being able to really it's like a stage show you're you're you you are guiding the audience through um th- through manipulation of their feelings through the music and through the visuals and um that's really what it comes down to down and and, and of course the sto- the, the storyline but you have to step into those three dimensions of uh, music, sound, you know, sound effects, music, and visuals, along with the story, to really tie those three elements home and uh, make it feel as if you're, if it's coming to life, right? Exactly. Uh, David Raiklin is a, a contributor to my film grant, and he came up to Oxnard one weekend and brought us some scenes from. Uh, Hitchcock's a thriller, and um, we're watching this woman because she is she has made a robbery and uh, she's driving away, and everybody is. Uh, I mean, he just showed us this the film first with no sound, and she's looking in the mirror and she's looking at the street and looking at the mirror, and it was so boring. And then he put the music in. It this is psycho. And he added the music, and man, you had to hold on to your chair because you could feel the tension, right? Absolutely. Uh, but uh, this is the key. Uh, well, one last question, because we don't have much time, but I want to know how long to edit a feature. A feature? Um, uh, well, features can sometimes go up to a, up to a year of editing, um, and sometimes they have more than one editor, some or sometimes they have just one, and then they have, or they'll have supplemental editors that are providing uh, uh, string outs or cuts for the main editor to then either rework and retweak with the director. It, it really depends on the workflow, but I'd like to say at least uh, nine months to, to a year. It can go up to, because also sometimes you're actually shooting and editing at the same time. Lots of times the director wants to see or trying to run on the you know, he wants to see next day or she wants to see they they want to see um you know what how how did it work how did it go sometimes you're sometimes you can actually be on set uh doing just quick cuts to see how how did that work um, I've heard of that, and those films are magnificent because they know what they got they and if they don't have it, they can get it the same uh or the next day. They can pick it up, absolutely. They can pick I, it I, up, yeah. I was I was on the plane and I was listening to about a, a director, and he was um, the, the editor said that, that the director wanted to pick up a shot, and he was flying back from New York to L.A. and and he had his he had his uh, his his iPhone and he wanted a shot of a, of a magazine. Of a certain time period, and he wanted a, a, a cigarette lighter. This is what he wanted, and he's like, "This is the shot I need to have." He shot it with his phone. He and it ended up in the movie. Um, they were able to take and uh, uh, treat this, you know, footage to make it look like a period piece, and it actually worked. So there's always surprises like that 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 can pop up. But, yeah, you need to definitely budget. uh, You you need to budget out for at least that. Um, I've I've worked on other projects where we get acts. So uh, an editor will get act one, one will get act two, one will get act three, and you'll do it that way um, if you're on more of a a, uh, time crunch. Then you'll have right. a supervising producer that uh, makes sure that they watch over all three, you know, styles. You may have a you may have a lead editor, somebody that's going to come in and take all those acts, and uh, you know, then put put all the reels together, and then do any tweaks. So there there there, there are ways to do it, um, uh, you know, fat, faster. And uh, but you just like I said, my biggest thing is I want directors and producers to to pick their editing software first and to know how they're, 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 what they're going to do going forward. And that's the main thing. 
that's 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 one of the main things. If you if you know that and you know what you're gonna you're gonna do and what platform you're gonna edit on and what software you're gonna use, you will save so much time at the end of your project and you will save so much in the hiring process and you'll you'll cut through a lot of the clutter. That's my one takeaway on all this is to know Terrific, your David. I just need you to tell us how we can reach you again because this is uh, our time is up and I thank you you did such a fabulous job of sharing information about hiring and and working with an editor so what is your uh, email address again well thank you once again Carol and Claire thank you so much for letting me come on your show my email address is dw at a N D C R the number eight T I V E dot com. That's D W at and creative dot com and then creative is spelled with the number eight. So D W at A N D C R the number eight T I V E dot com. Okay, David. Thank you so much. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Carol. Yes. It it was really great to have you on. Thank you so much again. All right. Thanks. Lots of good luck. Bye. Bye. Be well. Be well. And to our listeners, I want to tell you how grateful we are for the donations you've given at FromTheHeartProductions.com to support our podcast. Let us know if there are any topics or people that you would like to hear interviewed on the show. And please join us next week for the Art of Film Funding podcast. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. <laughs>